Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for um, this time as we continue to look at your word. And we thank you, Lord, that there are people here struggling with cancer, divorces, children with addictions, um, people dealing with anxiety, depression, people who are insecure in their salvation, Lord, people who are um, perplexed on how to, what their place is in a difficult situation. Lord, these stories are just, everybody's naked before you right here. We're not putting on an event. We're trying to connect with a living God through an event. And we just invite you and seek you to refresh, restore, comfort, give direction, reveal. Lord, everybody in here is so important to you. So important. They've been knit together in their mother's wombs. And you know how many hairs are on their head. And if they tried to count the number of times you think towards them, it would be impossible to number Lord, some of them are being lied to by the enemy, saying they're insignificant or worthless, or they've disqualified themselves, and they're not able to get up and be used by you. But God, what you call clean, let no man call unclean, even ourselves. Lord, we pray that you would be exalted here, that you would upstage everything, as beautiful as the tables are, as great as the singing is, if somebody likes to study, that, Lord, you would upstage anything, Lord, and that we might, the truths we hear today, we may even forget where we heard them or who spoke them, but, Lord, we'd remember your truths and we'd assign it to you and give you the credit that's due your name. Open our eyes right now, God, that we could behold wondrous things out of your law. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so with the first session, we were looking at eternal life being equated with knowing God. We learned that the written scriptures are considered alive. We learned that the Holy Spirit is transforming us. As we behold the glory of God, he is transforming us through that vehicle of knowing God. And now we're going to go on and look at more instruction, benefits, and emphasis that he gives us about knowing the one who wrote the scriptures. In 2 Peter 3, 17, verse 18 is on the wall over here. If you go to 2 Peter 3, 17, in the middle of that verse, 2 Peter comes after? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, see, Bible students, you guys are on it. Okay, I knew that one. I, when I was first saved, I didn't know where the books of the Bible were. I was all like lost, you know. <clears throat> but, you know, we're not really here to impress anyone. We're here to follow Christ. And humility is a beautiful attribute. And a disciple and know it all is very, very ugly. Second Peter three seventeen says at the end of the verse, the middle of the verse, excuse me, we're told by the Holy Spirit through Peter, beware, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. Verse eighteen of Second Peter three. But or instead of, or in order to prevent this. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, we could talk about the grace. That's another mini retreat, okay? We're just going to focus on the part of the knowledge because we should be growing in the grace. But really, when you get the knowledge, the grace kind of follows. And sometimes when you grow in the grace, the knowledge follows. But we're focusing on the knowledge. All of us should be growing. We're commanded to grow in it. It means that there should be a level of increasing in our lives that we know God better today than we did last year or, you know, so many years ago. We're not always going, I remember the tents and Ghost of Mason. I remember when God, I used to teach Sunday school. You know, okay, that's great. I love memories. Amen. God's faithfulness. But really, is, is, there, is there nothing that's impressing you about God now? This is very, very sad and not the, the walk that the Lord wants us to have. We need to grow in knowing the one that we are now covenanted to. 
A relationship thrives when discovery is present. A relationship grows cold when a person assumes they know everything about the other person. It's dead, it's stagnant, it's routine, it's methodical, it's gray, it's not colorful anymore. Routine will replace relationship. Drudgery will replace delight. And existence replaces engaging connection. And it's growing in this knowledge that we maintain and increase our awe and admiration of God. We should... um, God wants us to be continually impressed with him. It's easier to praise someone that we are impressed with than someone we are just familiar with. God so desires to be familiar, but he deserves to be admired. And we can't admire if we already just take something and put it in a box and that's it. We're to grow in the knowledge of who God is. We are told in this text that we, if we grow in the knowledge of our Lord, it will protect us from being interrupted in our pace and our consistency. Remember, it says, beware, lest you fall from your own steadfastness. The command to grow in the knowledge of our Lord is directly in contrast to falling from our own steadfastness. Some of you guys used to be in ministry and serve the Lord. You know, now it's like, oh, no, I, you know, law and order's on tonight. I got things going on. You got DVRs, hello. You don't have to go by the TV. Don't you love that the TV doesn't have to tell you when to watch anything anymore? You can just decide and do it when the Holy Spirit says, now sit down, get some popcorn, and enjoy. But it doesn't have to compete with the things of the kingdom. We can seek first the kingdom of God. Some of you have lost that steadfastness because you've lost, you're not growing in the knowledge of God. You're, You're kind of crotchety and old and stuck and I don't mean in years I mean in your relationship with the Lord you know I I you know I'm getting older you know I'm a, I'm the senior citizen at Denny's <laughs> and um I you know I I just keep praying I'm going Lord I don't mind aging you know in wisdom and of course when you have cancer and you know, people are always going I don't want to grow old I go I do because <laughs> you know I'm going to die I'm like going I really want to grow old that means you live a long time do you understand that but I re- I've noticed that um you know I don't want to age in a way that I see a lot of people aging and the way they're aging is just they don't want to learn a new thing this isn't the way we've always done it and that's just that's not biblical because that's not the way we've done it well it has nothing to do with biblical it's just not the way your generation did it and yes you can be uncomfortable with it we could talk about it but you can't say it's not biblical just because that's not the way you did it like I'm hoping that I can be humble enough to just learn and grow from the next generation but our steadfastness when we just rely on the the past experiences with God, we, we will be interrupted of our steadfastness in growing in all God has for us now. You know, what, why did you stop teaching Sunday school? Why just not? I went on retreat. I used to do that. <laughs> like, what is that? You know, yeah, I have retreats. I've been to them all. You know, I go to a lot of retreats, and I always learn something new. Even if I'm teaching it, <laughs> I'm always like, whoa, that is so neat. You know, because it, it, it's his truth, and it's him, and, you know, it's, it's exciting. It's just like if somebody were discovering gold. I mean, how many times people go and go, yep, there's another vein of gold I got to harvest. There's a diamond I'm finding. Yep, same old di-. No, every time you discover a new one, you're like, you know the value, and you know the joy of that. Fishermen never get tired of that same bite pulling in, you know, even though like how many times have you caught fish? Because they, they love fishing. 
And if we love the Lord, we delight and, and we want to know him more and more so that we aren't interrupted from our steadfastness. We're not people that are hit and miss. And today we're into the Lord and tomorrow we're not. We're losing and we're moving away from our first love and knowing him. You know, sometimes you can be in the church a long time that pretty soon the church is, is your God. I'm a pastor's wife. This can happen. I refuse. <laughs> Just Nobody's going to take away my first love relationship with Jesus. I, I'll quit teaching retreats or conferences if this becomes my identity and the joy of the Lord is not just my strength. If I'm like, oh, I'm speaking or something, I never want to do it. And I'll tell you, going through cancer, you know, there was a long time where I didn't get to teach or I had three jobs when I was diagnosed with cancer. I had to quit everything I was doing. And guess what? I found I'm still worth the blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm just as important sitting on a recliner with a feeding tube in my stomach than speaking in front of a bunch of people. And I, because I know whom I have believed in, and his love was enough for me. I didn't need accolades or position or paycheck or, you know, I have the Lord. And I was full and satisfied, even not doing anything, but just knowing the one who saved me. If we focus on growing in our knowledge of God, it will also protect us from being led away by wrong thinking, ideologies, pursuits, or passions. Second Peter 3.17 there says that we can be led away with the error of the wicked. If we aren't knowing God, you see, when you know God, you can kind of tell a stranger's voice and somebody starts giving this new thing, this new book, this, this, that, this program. And you're like, that doesn't sound like God to me. That doesn't sound like God to me, you know? And, and that's why sometimes, you know, we don't know the value that when we know God, we also will know false teaching and we'll know errors. And even if it's someone we know and trust, you know, they can go astray. I can teach the wrong thing. Hopefully not intentionally, but I'm prone to error. And hopefully if you know God, you can say, yeah, Maureen has all those books, but that is out to lunch, which she just said, and I'm not going to accept it. And you will no longer have your allegiance to man, but it will be to God and his word and his truth. And you will be protected in these last days against the error of the wicked because you know whom you have believed. And it doesn't matter if it's under this label or has a dove on it or it's over here. You're listening for God and you are protected in these last days. It says that we're supposed to, rather than do these things, we're supposed to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, I know Jesus, but I, I wish we could start saying, I know him and I'm getting to know him better. I'm growing in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think over here, I love this verse. You know, it says, I, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And he goes, of whom I've suffered the loss of all things. I count them all rubbish that I might gain Christ, that I want to know him more. Um, I'd written a song, and no, I don't have my CDs because I kind of messed up, and I'll get those out there. (laughs) I know when he says I hung my head because I messed up on ordering new ones. But um, there's a song I wrote, and it says, I want to know you more than I have before. I want to live for your pleasure. You know, when you know someone, you know how to love them, huh? If you don't know someone, you don't know how to love them, like for me. People are like, oh, you know, I love you, Maureen. I'm, and at Christmas, I'm going to give you a box of sea chocolates. Well, I don't like sea chocolates. So you want to be my friend because I will give you every box of sea chocolates that someone gives me. They don't know me. Now, I still receive it and say thank you. But they didn't love me according to what I desire because they didn't know that I don't like sea sees chocolates when we know god we know how to love him and please him when we go oh god thinks that's a waste of time i'm not gonna no god says that's like totally evil Mm -mm. god says that that brings about confusion 
Mm, I'm going to believe him. Mm -mm." That's why we're getting to know him. Because when we get to know him, we know how to love him and how to please him. You know, your kids on Mother's Day when they're really little and they make you breakfast or whatever. And you're like praying the night before that you'll have the strength to eat whatever it is that they decide to give you. You know, gummy bears with syrup. But, you know, they just or the egg has the shells and they're so proud. And, you know, it's precious. It's precious. But they don't they don't know that yet. You still receive it. But as they grow and know you and have abilities, they start doing neat things like put all their money together and get you Bose noise-canceling headphones for Christmas. And then you're like, yes, and you, it was worth all the eggshells. You know, I got Bose. You know, but they know me now. Mom likes to put that on so that I want to have my devotions. I don't hear anybody in my house. You know, they know what is important to me. I don't want a massage. I don't want a pedicure. I don't do those things. They know me, and they, because they know me, they know how to bless me. And when we want to bless God, we don't go with, I think I will. Don't you remember Cain? What did he do? He brought what he thought God would want. But, but his brother brought what God wanted. And how can we know what God wants from us unless we know him and understand him? Have you ever just read through the gospel accounts of Jesus and jotted down things you learn about his personality, how he treats hypocrites, how he treats his family members? Have you ever observed what what frustrated Jesus when he was here? What about his prayer life? Where did he go? When did he go? Why did he go? What happened before that? What happened after that? Have you ever looked at his responses to the broken? Have you ever looked at solutions he offered when things were chaotic or confused? Have you ever watched how he handles those who were rejected? How did he treat those who judged his followers? What did he think was a waste of time and what did he think was important? Have you ever just... Grown in in the knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, in the text. Have you ever just said, I'm going to go through all the Gospels and everything I observe about Jesus, I'm going to write down and get to know my Savior. I've received him, and now I want to know him more and more. We are told to grow in knowing Jesus Christ and all of who God is. In 2 Peter 1, 2. And it's so cute that Peter is writing these things because Peter would always like not do what Jesus wanted him to do. You know what I'm saying? He was always like knowing what Jesus, oh, may you never go to the cross. <laughs> the Lord's going, Satan, get out of here. You know, he's like, you know, Peter would always just say things like, oh, don't wash my feet. You know, he goes, no, I have to. Well, then wash my whole body. No, that's not what I'm doing. You know, Peter was always figuring out what Jesus should and shouldn't do in his life. I know none of you have done that. But if you ever have, it's interesting that Peter has these repeated exhortations. You need to grow in the knowledge of the Lord because I thought I knew him and I really made some dumb calls in my life. And he's, he's, he's the Holy Spirit's using him to write this down. Second Peter 1, 2 says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Don't, do you want like, to know his favor? Then get to know him. Do you want peace in your life? You, you just got to know him. See, we spend too much time getting to know ourselves. And I hate to tell you this, but we are always changing. So as soon as you learn something about yourself, it changes. You know, your personality is all messed up or this gets healed. You're like, oh, I have this weakness. And the Holy Spirit heals it. And you're trying to compensate for a weakness. The Lord goes, you don't have it anymore. Why are you doing that? And the other times I'm strong over here. And then you get wounded. And then, you know, we're changing. We're always changing. But God, everything we learn about God, we take it to the bank and it forever stays the same. I love things that stay the same because it's very confusing to relearn things that change over and over again. I had my degree. I got my degree in uh, business administration, information systems, uh, programmer analyst. 
you know, computer programmer, cutting edge back in 84. <laughs> you know, almost everything I've learned is like antiquated. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm going, I got a degree in something that just, there was no internet. You know, like we, like we just had mainframes and, you know, like things I had to write, JCL, COBOL. I'm, I'm, I'm very qualified for no jobs out there. But, <laughs> but there are still some out there. But what I'm saying is things change so fast, don't they? And some of you are even scared about those changes. But might I encourage you to know that we serve a God who doesn't change. And if you like stability and consistency, it's found in growing in our knowledge of him. We get to take that to the bank. It says that peace will be multiplied. Do you love the word multiplied? Not just given, multiplied. Meaning, basically, I think that the more we know, the more peace we get. That we know whom we have believed. I tend to be a little bit of a type A personality and high performer and get things done. And, um, you know, if I didn't get a, you know... An A, when I grew up, I was a failure. You know, I just, I don't know what was wrong with me, but that's how I worked. And uh, coming to Christ and knowing his grace, I've been able to kind of surrender that part of my personality and not allow that to be my Lord and define my character anymore. Um, I'm free of that. I'm free to just do my best, but not find my identity if I don't in either one, doing well or not doing well. My identity is in Christ and what he paid for me. The blood of Christ. It's my worth. Everything else is just function. And I know that even this morning my alarm uh, went off, but I didn't have the volume you know, up on the phone. Remember alarm clocks? They were so reliable, weren't they? But, you know, with the phone, my husband goes, well, maybe you had the moon on. You know, that little, like, I don't have the moon on. Why did it not work? You know, well, maybe it's this. It's a side thing. What do you have? Do you have silent? Do you have noise? There's like 12 delimiters to be sure that your alarm clock goes off on your phone. And then if it dies, you don't have it charged. A lot of things can go wrong, right? So, of course, it went wrong. You know, I wake up and I see it lit up. Like, that's going to wake me up, you know? Alarm. Alarm. <laughs> I, I, I looked at it and I went, so it was much later. It was about an hour and 15 minutes later than I planned on waking up. And I, I had such a joy preparing these studies for you all that I was just kind of swimming in the knowledge of God. You know, like the last couple of days, I've just been like swimming in this river and having fun in it. And so when I woke up and I looked at it, I went, huh. And normally I'd like, huh, huh, you know. <laughs> and I go, you know what, Lord? This is human error. This technology, I know who you are. It doesn't matter if I didn't think of all the delimiters. I did my best. I'm a human. You're God. We're great. It's early enough to make it down there. I'm just going to get up and just enjoy my morning And because I know who you are and you redeem. If you can forgive sins, you can work with this late uh, wake up. You know, like I, because I knew who he was, I wasn't so freaked out over my failure and my, my morning not going the way I think it should go. You know, like it wasn't so important the way I think things should go because I know he's greater than human failure. And I'm not defined by my failure. I just it made a mistake. I didn't say everything. And let's go. Let's just get going. We're going to have a good conference. Why let the enemy use that? But I think the only reason why I responded that way so well is because I had just been immersed in just thinking who he was and how great he was that I, his greatness upstaged my weirdness. Like I, I wasn't all caught up in my morning. I was thinking of my God. And so suddenly I was able to make it through. It says in verse three of second Peter one, it says, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through what? Through the knowledge of him who calls us by glory and virtue. You know, we quote this verse all the time. Like, ah, oh, been, it's been given to me all things pertaining to life and godliness. 
In what? Through knowing him. Through knowing God, we are promised that we will have what we need for life and to be godly, to be more like him by knowing him. We need to get to know him. You know, if you really admire someone, you painstakingly observe things about them because you're impressed with them. You know, they, they're high in your estimation, and you, you notice things about them, and you admire that. And that's getting to know them. I think of Paul and Timothy. You know, Paul was a mentor for uh, Timothy and had a great impact on Timothy. And Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.14, and I love this because this is a human to a human. Now picture that God to us, okay? But from Paul to Timothy, Paul says in 2 Timothy 3.14, he tells Timothy, he goes, but you, Timothy, you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of. Now, it's neat, you know, continue, must continue. You've learned them. Remember we said, lest you fall from your own steadfastness, grow in the knowledge. But I love this part. He goes, continue in the things which you've learned and been assured of things. These are things. Knowing from whom you have learned them. Continue in what I said to you because you know, who, you know me. Because you've seen me. Now you trust what I teach you. Well, how much more that if we know who God is, we will continue in the things that he has told us because we know he's faithful. We know that he's reliable. Timothy's steadfastness and behavior was linked to knowing the one who taught him. How much more is it that we should know God who has taught us and it will help us continue and be assured of all that he has said. The more I get to know God, you know, when I'm in a group of people or I'm in a situation, I, I'm just not as intimidated by worldliness and liberal agendas and uh, compromising Christians. And, you know, I, I, I just really am not easily intimidated as much when I just know whom I have believed in. I'm like, I didn't come up with this. Like, I don't feel like I have to defend or convince or, you know, this wasn't my idea. <laughs> this is God's truth. You can reject it. But I am confident in it because I know whom I have believed in. My son was just hired for a very liberal organization. I won't say what. And um, he, he came home from training. And my son is our youth group leader. And he's, uh, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's a really cool guy. And um, so he went there, and they were having these training sessions. And it was for um, – it has to do with teaching high school. And he's going to be teaching high school biology. Uh, but it's not – he's not hired by a school. And he was sitting there, and they said, well, we really believe that, you know, we have to work with racism because that's the main thing that the youth are dealing with and uh, da-da-da-da and, you know, gender confusion and all this kind of stuff. And then my son raised his hand. He goes, I really don't think those are the main issues for high schoolers. He goes, they're dealing with depression, anxiety. Um, they're worried about what their friends think about them. They, you know, because he, he works with the youth all the time. He goes, not that those issues aren't there, he said. He goes, but, you know, what about the kid that his dad, he doesn't have a dad. And so he does, that leads to all these other things. They don't feel validated and affirmed and the family's breaking apart. And, you know, I think there's these other issues, you know, and everybody, you know, kind of looked at him and later all the other people go, oh, I'm glad you said that. I didn't know what to say, you know, but he said, he didn't say it. He goes, I don't mean any disrespect, but I'm not sure if these are the high priority things that the only things that we should be looking at in caring for these kids when, when we go into these schools. They have a lot of personal issues, drug addiction, alcoholism, you know, a lot of things going on. And he said, you know, my, 
I know my son was able to be kind of matter of fact in the face of people that hired him because he knows that this isn't his opinion. This is what God has kind of revealed to him and cares about these kids and wants to do something. And when we know whom we have believed, we have a confidence level when we know them. I tell this story often, but it really touched my heart when I was in seventh grade. There was a, a, a time where the whole class decided, well, there was this like kind of ringleader bullying, that um, she said everybody needed to hate me. Everybody couldn't play with me. No one could eat with me. I had to be isolated for my entire, oh, sixth grade, sixth grade year. I ate alone. I was not a Christian at the time. It was a really hard year. My mother was an alcoholic. We were having radical family problems at home. I I used to love school and socialization, and school and home were hell for me that year. And I was very depressed. And uh, at the end of the year, the ringleader uh, came up to me and said, because we have an end-of-the-year carnival. And she said, I hope you're not going to the carnival. You know, and she goes, because if you do, we're going to beat you up because you don't deserve to go to the carnival. This girl is demonically inspired, huh? And so she's probably saved, probably a pastor's wife somewhere now. <laughs> but I should look for her. Um, and so uh, I said, so I came home, and my dad said, well, we're going to the carnival, you know, at the school, because my parents was a church school. And, they supported things financially. And I said, oh, no, I don't really want to go. You know, no, no, Maureen, I bought all these ride tickets and you're going to go. And, you know, and I got to the school and I was so terrified. And we went into the little spaghetti dinner because my parents did that. And then we went um, out and he goes, here, I bought you all these tickets to go on all the rides. And I'm like, you know, walking out there just terrified. And when I got out to the, to the uh, playground area where it was, um, she and this group of girls encircled me, and they were ready to take me down. And, um, and then all of a sudden, you know how they have, like, those lights on out on the playground? So, it's, you know, there's dark areas and light areas. So we were in the light. And then out of the, she said, well, you weren't supposed to be here, and now you're going to get it. Well, out of the darkness, my father walks in. Yeah, he's cool. He was a Purdue football player, so he was, like, tough. You know what I'm saying? He's tough. And he came out there, and he goes, oh, Yeah. And he said, you're not going to touch my daughter. And, you know, you and your friends get out of here. I'm going to turn you in. And, and he said, come on, Maureen, we're going on the rides. <laughs> he took me on all the rides, you know. And, I, you know, it was such a, that's just the Lord, like our Heavenly Father. Like I, he was as intimidating as that was, that was my dad's character to defend and to take me into blessing that I was trying to be kept from, that he was going to fight on behalf of my enemies, and they were too strong for me. But my father could handle it. Do you know how strong your God is? Do you just quote the verse? Or do you know the person the verse is talking about? How strong he is. Have you ever beheld that part of his glory? Have you ever thought of how strong he is? Have you ever thought that he just hurled the stars into the sky, and you're wondering if he's going to show you what to make for dinner? (laughs) <laughs> you know, okay. hello, yes, he's going to show you. You know, I, I think of that, all those chapters in Job where they're like all figuring God out. And then God just says, <clears throat> where were you when I did this and I did this and I did this and I did this and I did this. Have you ever gone through those chapters and just paused? We did a whole series in our women's study just on those chapters. And we went ahead and took each animal and studied all the weird things about the animal that he was showing. Look, I made the something that does this. And we started studying about horses and how they'll proceed right into battle, like swords. And all these horses are coming at the horses. And the horses just keep going straight 
onto these horses with these javelins. They just will. They'll just keep riding because God designed them to go into battle. Where everybody else runs, even other animals run from impeding other animals coming at them. And you're going, okay, God designed that horse that way to be able to do that? And he's just so incredible when you think of who he is. I think, um, I think of the great day that Paul was saved. He was Saul at the time in Acts 9, 3. And it says that as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. And remember, Saul was like persecuting the Christians. And, and it says suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I love verse 5. Paul says, who are you, Lord? Who are you? Not what do you want me to do? I don't know. I thought I knew you. I thought I was doing what I was supposed to be doing as a God-fearing man. But I obviously don't know you. I just know what religious people have told me about you. Did any of you grow up just hearing who God was and through other people? And you're like, I don't really know who God is. I just know who everybody's telling me God is. But this is eternal life, that you would know the one true God and him whom thou, he has sent. That we would be in a place where we say, I'm not going to base everything I believe on what other people believe. I'm going to get to know my God. Some of you guys are wimpy because you don't know him the way that he wants you to know him so that you have the boldness at work. You have the courage. You're able to share with your children that you want to die. Don't you want that kind of influence? Not, oh yeah, she wrote books. Who cares? Oh yeah, you know, she is skinny. I mean, what, what, you know, what are these things are not it, you know, that people would just know God through us and they're going to know him as we get to know him. Paul really didn't know him. And what a great question for us always to say, who are you, Lord? I know this much about you, but I want to know more about you. I love to sit before the Lord and say, Lord, what do you value? What do you despise? What do you think is worthy of my time, money, efforts, or pursuits. What do I think is so important? And you're going, waste of time, waste of time. And what are the things I'm thinking, oh, how insignificant. You're going, major importance, major importance. Like, I love to sit before the Lord in the morning and just tell him, I have no idea how to live. I tell him this almost every day. I say, hmm, here's a day. You see it? I don't. I don't know how to do it. You know, tell me, Lord. Rewrite my day. You know, not my list, but thine be done. You know, what is it? What is important? What do I think I'm going to feel satisfied at the end of the day? And you're going to say, no, you're not. You're going to feel frustrated. You're going to feel like you need to control. You're going to be angry with people. And you're not. You're missing life as I want you to have it. Because you're valuing things I say are worthless. And you're pushing to the side the things that I say are valuable. Your judgment is askewed. You have to look at things the way I look at them. This week I was talking with someone going through a pretty intense situation. And she was sharing with me uh, something happened in her childhood that was very similar to something that was happening with her child's, her daughter's life. And I was talking to her, and I'm always totally inadequate talking to people. I'm always sitting there going, I have no idea, Lord, what to do, but just be here by your spirit and do something. And then finally, I, you know, I just told her she was falling apart, and I said, you're arrogant. She says, what do you mean? I go, you're arrogant. You think you see things clearly and you're troubled by the way you've evaluated the situation. It's probably not even really the situation. I said, you are, are looking at the situation 
and you've written and filled in and placed everything and decided and just, and I go, there are things in that situation you can't see. See, when we know who God is, we start to realize all the things we don't know. And we, we have more of the fear of the Lord and we're not so quick to give our opinions or let something trouble us when maybe we don't see it accurately or decide something is hopeless when we can't see something God can do in that situation because we've limited him by the way we've seen him work in the past or the limited knowledge we have of him. The Lord wants us to be in a place where we are in awe, where we say, wow, you did this, you could do that. So, you know, I go through the Psalms in the morning and sometimes I'm like reading this thing and, I'm, and today I was reading, uh, Paul was, excuse me, not Paul, it wasn't even David, it was just a psalmist, I don't know who wrote this one. And he was um, talking about how great God was and you do this and you do that and you do that. And he goes, but this time you're not doing it. <laughs> You, you know, you've done this, but right now it ain't happening. And you've forsaken me. And where are you? Why are you sleeping? Why won't you wake up? He's kind of like struggling in his psalm or whatever. And you know, all of us can read that. Oh, yeah, I've been there. Felt that, you know. And I looked at it and I said, oh, he's forgotten that the past deliverances were rarely instantaneous. He forgot how God works. I read that. I go, he's forgetting that when God sends deliverance, generally speaking, it's usually not instantaneous. And generally speaking, he gives us plans and strategies. Like when you read all the times that David overcame his enemies, how many times was it instantaneous or was there a battle plan and a fight and a, a, a war? And we want God to just get us out of something. And you see throughout scripture, he generally, he can and he has, but generally speaking, he, it takes time for deliverance. And he sends strategy or weapons or a plot or, you know, it, it delivers. When David says, like, you've delivered me from all my enemies, there's a lot of stories in that statement about how God delivered. And we read that. I'm going to claim that. And it's gone today at three. It's just not how God works. That's us deciding and taking something like an enchantment. So many people handle the Bible sometimes like it's some kind of an incantation. I'm going to say this verse over the situation and it's going to magically make, this is an abomination. It's witchcraft and it's not associated with relationship. It's more of something where we're trying to manipulate God's words to bring about our own desires rather than to understand the character of God and have confidence and faith in him and the way he responds to our tragedies. When I look at things now and they take a long time, I go, oh, God's working. Well, what do you see? Oh, I don't go by what I see. I go by what I don't see and who I don't see. And that's God. I love in situations to say, God, thank you so much for all you're doing in that situation. I don't see it and I don't need to. I know who you are. I know your character. You don't have to prove anything to me. I know whom I have believed in. So I can pray giving thanks without having to see it and connect the things together. In Colossians 1.9, it says, for this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, we don't cease to pray for you. Now, I want you to listen to this. This is a prayer that Paul and his friends were praying for the Christians in Colossae. <clears throat> he goes, I ask that you could be filled with the knowledge of his will. Can we pray that a lot for people, right? Lord, you know, I pray they'd know what you want them to do and what school to go to, what job to take, you know, all that stuff. Um, you go, okay. And spiritual understanding. Mm, maybe we lack a little bit of that, but Lord, may they grow in spiritual understanding. Verse 10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work. But I love the ending. And increasing in the knowledge of God. That's a prayer, not just a pursuit. When was the last time you prayed for your children, your friends, your pastor, your unsaved people? Lord, I pray that they would increase in the knowledge of God. When is you prayed it for yourself? Lord, may I increase in the knowledge of who you are. For the backslider, for the servant of God, for ourselves. Increasing means more and more. 
Romans 11.33 says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. That there's a depth to that. When we know the deep things that the Holy Spirit wants to show us are inexhaustible, we won't be frustrated by that. We'll continue to seek, be humble, be open to correction. Y'all want to be like kind people? Then know you don't know everything. People that think they know everything, you don't want to hang out with them. You know, you have to be, I love, this makes me love the church. See, you, those of you are like, I'm sick of Christians. You're arrogant. Because if you're around Christians, you know you need to hear from one another. Because you might learn something about God I haven't learned yet. And I want fellowship because I listen to you and I go, oh my God. That is so true. I'm so glad I was at the Bible study. Or I talked to that person. Or I fellowship with them or whatever. And you're right. Thank you. Then you, you see yourself as part of an interdependent uh, entity rather than just someone who locks themselves in the rooms and spends quiet times with the Lord. We will have the fear of the Lord. We will not be frustrated. We're going to be excited, propelled, anticipating, and expecting greater transformation and greater revelation. Do you come before the Lord like that sometimes? Like, ooh, I want to behold your glory today. And I believe that as I do, as I stop somewhere. Like the other day, the other day, I was at my husband's Bible study. It was so good. And I was there, and he went to this verse. I'm going, you know, if you ever do that, like, where did that get in there? Where did that Bible verse get in there? It was in the book of Luke. And he had in there, and he said, you know, Jesus said, with fervent desire, have I wanted to eat this Passover meal with you, he told his disciples, before I suffer. And my husband said, he had this fervent desire to eat a meal with his followers before he suffers. Like he had a, to eat, not just eat it or explain, this is a body that was, you know, broken for you, because that's what I need to explain what I'm doing. No, no, a part, he did do that. But there's a part of Jesus that said, I really want to eat this meal with you guys before I suffer. Like, I want to spend time with you guys before I have to go do an incredibly difficult, obedient thing on the cross. I want to eat this Passover with you, with fervent desire. And I went, I went home on that one. You know, you just like, I kind of, you know, just savor it, you know? And I was driving along going, with fervent desire, like you like to eat with us and spend time with us. I'm like, shoot, dang, you're so good. I can't believe it. And then I'm like trying to call people to tell them, do you know that he was fervent desire? You know, and, and then, the, you know, then my friend writes back. She writes, with fervent desire. I go, I know three words in the scripture and we're swimming all day. And we're just soaking in this heart of God that he wants to eat this Passover with them. And it was fervent desire. He wants to meet with us. If we know that that's God's heart, how can we not respond and just want to know him better? Increasing in the knowledge of God. How about just the Old Testament? Have you ever looked at the stories in the Old Testament and like learned who God is from it? Not just read what David did and he did that and did it. But what about God? Where is he in this? What, what, what do we learn about him by the way he brought this person through and he stopped this? What do we learn through the words that he has preserved to reveal who he is? What, what angered him in the Old Testament? What did he delight in? How about his patience and his ability to work things together for good? How did he work out? You know, the Old Testament is a lot like uh, the Raiders of the Lost Ark ones, you know, like that guy would always get in those situations, or old James Bond movies, not the new ones, those are sleazy, but you know, like where you get into a situation and you're like, how are they going to get out of this one? You know, do you ever read the narratives in the Old Testament and you go, oh my gosh, 
Pharaoh's army is behind him. Oh my gosh, there's mountains to the right. Oh my gosh, there's mountains to the left. <gasps> there's a sea in front of him. Okay, what are you going to do now, God? You know, and then the Lord goes, cloud. Won't let the Pharaoh's army even see them. I mean, a cloud. Can't you just walk through a cloud? It's not a wall. It's a cloud. And God just, what's that cloud? And I just crack up over God. I just go, my gosh, you're just so incredibly wise. Who would use a cloud? You'd think he'd put dragons and he just used a cloud. They can't see him so they don't go any further. And they're like going, you're just, I mean, and then the opening the sea. I mean, do you ever look at those things and just go, God, you are like, come on. We all go, yeah, you're part of the Red Sea. Well, that's because it's old hat to us. But when you're standing in front of the Red Sea and that's never happened before, that's pretty impressive, isn't it? And he puts a wall of water on both sides. I would be intimidated. I would be intimidated. I don't really know that's going to hold up. You know what I'm saying? Like, but you're going, wow, like you can just make and dry land where there was once water. And there's a verse in the Psalms that says he, he saw the path in the sea. And I'm going, oh my gosh, that means under the water, you already knew the path. So that means in my life, when there's something that you see a solution I don't see. You, not just there is a solution for me, but you see it, Father. Like when I know that about my God, do you think that when I'm surrounded by Pharaoh's army and mountains and the sea, I don't get more courage because I know who he is? Just stopping at the narratives and being impressed with what he's done? I mean, when was the last time? Or do you just get through your devotions and get on like you took a vitamin B12? You know, we don't want to do that. We want to be in awe. We want to behold his glory. While we behold his glory, we are being transformed by the Holy Spirit. This is incredible. You know that even as I'm talking now, you're going, oh, yeah. Do you know right now because you beheld his glory, there's a transformation work that's happening inside of you right now that's so spiritual. It's not intellectual. It's not with your mind. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. How did he lead his people? How did he treat the enemies of his people? It's knowing God that we develop a new spiritual palate. We begin to admire all that should be admired. Rest. And we experience peace. We become like him. We become bolder in proclaiming him. We fall in love with him afresh. We find ourselves unattracted to all that he hates because we're so attracted to all that he is. We begin to care about what he cares about. We're not struggling with sin. We're so in love with God. We don't have time to smoke that joint. We don't have time to take that pill. We don't have time to be analyzing. And she said this and that, 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 that. And why do they buy those chairs? I don't even like the color in church. You know, like, can you imagine? Like, sometimes when I hear what people are entangled with, I go, ah, they're just not captivated by the beauty of the Lord. I feel bad. I want to lift them up a little bit. Let's get above the smog. Let's get to Big Bear. Forget LA. Look a little higher. <laughs> May we not be as Philip was when Jesus said to him in John 14, 9, Jesus said to Philip, have I been with you so long yet you've not known me, Philip? And finally, the very last verse that we'll close with is Hosea 6, 6. This is God talking, not my idea. He says, for I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. Lord, thank you for letting us know you in the face of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the sacrifice upon the cross that cleanses us of our sin so we can know you. Lord, if anybody is in our midst who wants to know you, but Lord, it says that our sin separates us from you. You're a holy God. We're unholy people. You are perfect. We are imperfect. Lord, 
I just pray that if there's anybody in our midst that has yet to, to believe that you died on the cross for their sins, their fornication, their bitterness, their high-mindedness, the time they stole, the things that they've been involved in, the things they're ashamed of, Lord, they would know that your blood is more powerful than the deepest stain and effects of sin. That, Lord, they would even now say, I want to know you. And if I can only know you through Jesus, then I'm going to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved right now. I'm going to believe that that blood that poured off of that cross 2,000 years ago is still speaking from the earth, saying, forgiven, forgiven, forgiven. And, Lord, I'm going to believe right now, Jesus, that you want to wash me of my sins. I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my Savior. I believe you rose from the dead and conquered death so that when I die, when I die in you, I will rise again. And I will forever be with you because of your work on the cross and not my own works. And through that belief, Lord, all of us who have entered into that, I thank you, Lord, that now we can know you. Lord, stir up inside of us a childlike giddiness to know you better and better and better. Lord, translate that into each person's life here. That, Lord, whatever that means, where to meet with you, how to approach you, how to look at Bible studies when we come to church or listen on the radio. Lord, I just pray that you would personally translate this teaching into what makes sense in each person's season of our lives right now. That, God, it would come forth. And as we get to know you, Lord, grace and peace would be multiplied to us. And, Lord, we would not be interrupted from steadfastness. And we would not be led away with the error of the wicked. Thank you for your truths, Lord. We'd never get to them unless you so graciously revealed them to us. In Jesus' name, amen.